Well, good morning. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. I'm Pete Reed, and uh, Jill and I are thrilled to be here again. It's good to see you. And um, yeah, we had a good Christmas anyway, just saying. <laughs> um, so I serve as vice principal at Regents Theological College, which you may have prayed for. And it's, the, it's part of the Elim movement, the same as the church here. And uh, we are thrilled to support Elim in training leaders, not just for church, but for all sorts of different areas as well. And uh, here's one we're preparing right at the moment. <laughs> Timo's hidden in there. So it's good to see you, mate. And... Um, yeah, so if you prayed for the college, then that is a, uh, very much appreciated. Um, God is really helping us at the moment. We had a really good intake of first years. We do a, a three-year undergraduate BA degree, and then a three-year, we can do um, full-time, but three-year generally a part-time master's degree. Um, so I've not brought any of our propaganda this time, um, but if you want to know more, do ask me afterwards, and uh, we've got plenty of time. We have a September intake for the BA degrees, church leadership track, or youth ministry track, or performing arts track, and theology track, and then the masters as well. Um, so if that's you, just keep thinking about it. You've got plenty of time to uh, apply sort of between Easter and summer, between Easter and July is our prime time. So uh, maybe that's you, or maybe somebody you know uh, could be interested in that. So thank you so much. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to tell you a story, and I, because I've been here a few times, I hope I've, please forgive me if I've told you before, but about my friend Steve. And uh, Steve and his wife, some years ago, felt the, the Holy Spirit nudged them to go to move to Turkey. And so he got a job teaching English over there and, went in Tur- and was living in Turkey. And on a particular time in Turkey, a particular day, he just felt the Holy Spirit nudging him that he should travel to, on the train to a particular town. So he got on the train, travelled an hour or two to this town, and he just knew that the Holy Spirit was nudging him to be in this town. So he came out the railway station and looked across the road and thought, what are we doing now? There's a, a, there's a, a little hotel across from the railway station, so he just goes in there, <clears throat> and it's sort of early evening by then, and he's just sitting in the bar, just having a drink, thinking, shall I have something to eat? And then all of a sudden he notices, in this town in Turkey, a guy looking across the room at him. And Steve's like, oh, is that a bit dodgy or is it okay or what? And eventually this guy comes across to him. Obviously he's Turkish, so in Turkish, and, and Steve speaks Turkish by then. And he says to, um, to Steve, are you the man with the book? And Steve's like, sorry? He says, are you the man with the book? And so Steve says, I mean, Steve's dead ordinary. He's like a chemistry teacher. He's a Fulham fan, if you're into football. So, I mean, that's as ordinary as you get. And so, so and Steve says, well, you need to tell him what you mean. He says, well, it, it, I need to tell you that I, I'm a Muslim. And I've been seeking Allah and wanted to get to know Allah more. And a few nights ago, um, suddenly I had a big appearance of a shining being in my room in the middle of the night. And I was scared. And the person says, I'm Isa, which is Turkish for Jesus. I'm Isa, and I have a plan for your life. You need to come to this particular bar on this particular time, and there'll be a man with a book. So Steve says, so, so the man says, are you the man with the book? And Steve says, oh, yes. <laughs> and Steve being Steve took out of his back pocket a New Testament in Turkish and says, this is the book. He says, see these first four subsections? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John says, you can read those and that'll help you and whatever. And this guy, oh, thank you, thank you. This will tell me more about Easter because Easter came and he just shone with love. And I've not seen that before in my religion, he said. 
And, 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 and then he said, uh, and you can have the book. And he says, will you be here tomorrow? And Steve says, yeah, yeah, I'll be here tomorrow. I'll be here tomorrow. So the man left. Steve went to reception. He says, have you got a room for the night? <laughs> and he rang his wife and said, I'll be staying an extra night. Next night, the guy came and says, well, I've, read, I've read those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> How do I get to know Jesus? How do I get to know Isa? And Steve just prayed with him and led him to the Lord. And last I talked to Steve, in that town, there's a little fellowship right in the middle of Turkey of 20, 25 followers of Isa in that town because of the man with the book. Now, I know Steve. He's like an ordinary bloke. He's just ordinary like you and me. And the trouble is, if we're not careful, we hear about these people who hear the voice of the Spirit and are guided by the Holy Spirit and all those heroic people. No, no, no. They're just like you and me. Many of them, just blunkers. (laughs) Turn to the person next to you and say, no, 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 don't say that, don't say that. But that's when I got it. And so this morning, I want to talk, and let's, let's see if this works. You never know, it might work. Ooh. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Cultivating awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Cultivating awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. See, I know Steve. He's an ordinary guy. But he just sensed, he and his wife, God's call to, for them to go to Turkey. But to be honest, he'd be doing that wherever he was. If he was living in Fulham, he'd be just saying, Jesus, how can you use us? How can you speak to us? And I know you, but I am praying more and more that God would use me to his glory. And I hope you are. There's a verse in the Bible, well, there's plenty of verses in the Bible, but Jesus says in Matthew 4, verse 4, he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word as it keeps on proceeding from the mouth of our God. Now he's quoting Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, if you know that. But man doesn't live on bread alone, but on each word as it keeps on proceeding. God is speaking to us. And I believe with all my heart that more and more as followers of Jesus, he wants to speak to us and through us to those around us to see his kingdom come, to see people come to follow Isa or whatever they would refer to Jesus in their language. Not just in Turkey, not just on the other side of the world, but right here in Selly Oak, right where you live, right where you work, with your family, with your networks of friendships. Jesus wants to use us. He wants to speak his word to us and through us. We don't live on bread alone, but our life is the communication of the Holy Spirit of God speaking to us. Now, a little bit of Theology 101, a little bit of basic theology. You know this, but just in case. I I know you're clever. It's the person next to you that I'm worried about, Um, especially Jill. (laughs) Um, But Theology 101, basic Christian doctrine fundamentally is that we believe in the Trinity, We believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you want a a go-to chapter or chapters in the Bible to look at, John 14, 15, and 16, they are phenomenal chapters helping us to understand the Trinity. Um, I'm not going to open that up, but if you have your Bible, uh, digital or or proper, (laughs) paper, um, then uh, then you're welcome to open that up and look at it. Because basically, um, that refers to the story when Jesus has been with his disciples for three years and he says, hey, I'm going to Father in heaven. But don't worry, he says, don't worry, don't be troubled. I'm going away, but I'm actually going to prepare a place for you. That's why I'm going. But then he says, and also don't worry because I'm going to send another just like me to comfort you and strengthen you and to be with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit. So the people listening to him have been good Jews who are... Who, who, who are monotheists, they believe in one God. But here is Jesus, who spent three years helping them to realize he's God. And so Jesus, as God, is speaking to Heavenly Father as God and saying, please send the Holy Spirit as God. 
That must have messed with their heads. But that's what we see in John 14, 15 and 16. And so Jesus, as God, as Heavenly Father, as God, to send the Holy Spirit as God. And therefore we know this fundamental doctrine, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, one in three, three in one. You'll never understand that with your tiny minds, but we weren't designed to because God is bigger than our comprehension. That's the point. But the Holy Spirit, if you look in these theology books, will often be referred to as the executive agent of the Godhead. The executive agent of the Godhead. Now, that means he's the one who makes things happen. I remember, if you read in theology books, you'll read phrases like, the Holy Spirit is the person of the Godhead who makes real in us what Christ has made possible for us. The Holy Spirit makes real in us what Christ made possible for us. He's the executive agent. An executor of, an, of a will is, and an executor of a will is somebody who makes the wishes of the deceased happen. Somebody who's an executive in a company doesn't just have a flashy car. The whole point of being an executive is they make things happen. So the Holy Spirit is the executive agent of the Godhead. He makes things happen. Um, I'm embarrassed and ashamed to say this, but when I was a younger preacher, I remember using an illustration of the Holy Spirit that I would never use anymore. It was whenever Iron Man came out. And I was quite into the Iron Man films. But I remember once preaching and saying, and the Holy Spirit is like the power pack that Iron Man clicks in. Now, some of you are with me. Some of you have no idea who Iron Man is. Big red bloke, flies around. <laughs> yeah. is he right? Anyway. Um, but I remember using that as an illustration. that, like, Holy Spirit is like a power pack. That we... Do you know what? I would not say that now. I wouldn't use that illustration. Because the risk is that we see the Holy Spirit as some sort of mystical power, some like machine that we click in and click out. I'm going to put my power pack in. I'm going to take my... No, 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 no. That, that's not the way to look at it. You see, the Holy Spirit is not a power pack. He's a person. He's God, and he's a third person of the Godhead. And that's so important. Um, it's hard to visualize the Holy Spirit. It's, it's like every now and then you sort of want to try and think of a picture of the Holy Spirit, you know. You can picture Father, you can picture Son, but how do you picture Holy Spirit? I remember the, the church I grew up in. I grew up in a big church in Manchester. And um, uh, often the Holy Spirit was referred to as the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. I remember as a kid, it was like, ooh, spooky, spooky. And it's all a little bit weird and mystical. And we lose, if we're not careful, the personness. So, for example, I would encourage you, when you're referring to the Holy Spirit, please don't refer to him as it. I'm really, I'm really pleased my wife Jill's come with me, and uh, I'm really proud of it. What? <laughs> I would get a smack. <laughs> Believe me. And sometimes we do that with the Holy Spirit. It. It's not a power pack. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is your personal heavenly friend who walks with you through life. He reminds you what Jesus has said to you. Because Jesus speaks to you, and you're thick, and you forget. I know that, because that's the common human condition. And therefore, the Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus has said to us. I've had down the years so many people that Jesus has been saying to somebody, you need to get baptized in water, you need to get baptized in water. You've been following me for several years, you need to get baptized in water. Oh, don't get my hair wet. And the Holy Spirit says, get baptized in water. And so the, the Holy Spirit reminds you of what Jesus said to you because you're thick, just saying. He helps you to become a witness for Jesus because you need to be braver, just saying. And he helps you to become more like Jesus. You'll find all those verses in there. But sometimes we forget he's a he. And it, the Bible doesn't help, just saying, Lord. No, he didn't. No thunderbolt. Um, because the Bible's full of symbols of the Holy Spirit. The rushing wind. The fire of God. 
the oil of the Holy Spirit, the dove. And because of all those symbols and because of the Holy Ghost and because of it and because of power pack thinking, we tend to think of Holy Spirit as a thing. But he's a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's our personal. He's your personal heavenly friend who walks with you through, our, through lives. And therefore, there's, I want us to be aware that as our friend, we can hurt him. As a person, we can hurt him. Now, I'm not telling you how to hurt him, but we'll see in the Bible there are three ways we can hurt him, hurt the Holy Spirit. First one, we can resist him. We can resist him. And that is to, to withstand, if you like, his regenerating work. That is being born again. That's just a fancy word for being born again of the Spirit of God. When we're regenerated, when we come to faith, as Anglicans say, when we get saved, as some people say. But that's his regenerating work. But we can resist him. But as well as that, we can grieve him. Oh, we can grieve him. Isn't it sad when you sometimes accidentally grieve a friend? You sadden the friend. We, we can grieve him. The Bible says that. We can grieve him. And that's to withstand his sanctifying work. Again, sanctifying, just that fancy word for becoming more like Jesus in our character. We can grieve him. But we can also quench him. See, the Holy Spirit wants to, as the executive agent of the Godhead, bring God's power to us and God's power through us. And we can quench that as well. So if we want to cultivate the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, we must let him do what he wants to do. Let him do what he wants to do. So let's just look at those three. We can resist him. We can resist him. And there's a verse in Acts 7, verse 51. Feel free to turn to it. I'm not going to turn to it. It's very simple. But Acts 7, verse 51. And a guy called Stephen, who's one of the disciples in the early church, he's actually the first martyr in the church. He preaches, and at the end of his preach, he gets stoned. Now, don't get any ideas. Okay, you're a friendly church. I don't know. Um, but Stephen is, is war. He is one of the heroes of the early church. But he's preaching to the Jewish leaders. And he's saying to them, you need to come to Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. He's been prophesied. All your scriptures have been pointing to him. The whole of your history, the whole of, of, of everything in your tradition has been pointed. Yeah, Jesus is here. Follow Jesus, follow Jesus, follow Jesus. Don't resist him. And he gets carried away. And eventually, in chapter 7, verse 51, he says, you stiff-necked people. Okay, that's, that's an endearing, you know, it's good 21st century language. No, no. He, he, and he says, you stiff-necked people, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Specifically says, you resist not just God, but you resist the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit convicts people of their need to follow Jesus. And then when they respond to that conviction, that niggly feeling, that, that God-shaped hole, I'm praying for a guy called Simon. He's a friend of mine. We bought some carpets from him. And I'm praying. We had a great conversation. I was buying carpets, but we ended up talking about Jesus. And he talked a load of personal stuff he said. Um, and, and, and I'm saying, I said to him, I said, he said, and I gave him a little book from a guy I know called Mark Greenwood. I gave him this little book. Um, and um, as I gave him this thing, I said, I just want to help you on your God search. And he says, I'm on a God search, am I? And I says, mate, we've had a couple of conversations now. You're on a God search. And he said this, isn't every human being? <laughs> See, the Holy Spirit convicts. That's the fancy word. He, he niggles. He shows us there's more than this life. Science can answer all the hows and the whens and the whats and whatever, but can never answer the why. And so 
the Holy Spirit niggles away and convicts. And then when we respond, he brings us into relationship with Jesus. But if we resist that, it won't happen. I really hope and pray there's some people who are not Christians here this morning. I love that because it's a sign of a healthy church. I'd train pastors and leaders at the college, and I'm saying, and I said this the other day to them, literally on Thursday, I said, every time you preach, imagine that there's some people who are not followers of Jesus, even if you think you know everybody, because you never know. You usually hit at the back. Sit, sit. No. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to say to you, please don't resist. Please don't resist. Because if we resist him, he will allow us to do that. You can say no to following Jesus. You can. I hope you don't. I hope you say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. So is the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart right now? Is there something in you and you rock up here and maybe some people think you are a follower of Jesus and you've been coming for a while and you think, I'm not sure what to say because I'm sort of in, but I'm not really in. Whoa. Find somebody who's friendly. Or Isaac. And, and have that conversation. That can just help you. Please, don't resist. If the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart, don't resist. Don't withstand his regeneration. He convicts and then, he, and then when you come to faith in Jesus, you're born again of the Spirit of God. And if you are a follower of Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit has revealed him to you. Because some Christians get a bit cocky and arrogant. I'm not talking about here, obviously. But sometimes we can, yeah, God's quite lucky to have me. I remember one day I just sussed God out and I thought, yeah, and I thought, yeah, do you know God, you're all right, I'll follow you. And God was so cheered up. What? No, 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 no. Never lose sight of the fact that by the grace of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit pulled you into relationship with him. So we can resist him. But then, secondly, we can grieve him. We can grieve him. And I am going to read this part of scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 is the key word. But I'm going, to, I'm going to read from Ephesians 4 verse 25. So feel free to follow that if you want in your digital or paper. So Ephesians 4 verse 25. Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. Now, I'm going to talk about that later. (laughs) He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. What incredible practical stuff that the writer is bringing to the church in Ephesus. But we still need that reading to us. Because you know what? We're human beings. We have misunderstandings. We have problems. We have hassles. We have all sorts of miscommunication. We have sometimes pride and ego and gossiping and and malice. And sadly, it was in the church then. You're not going to write this to a church unless they had these problems. And we still need to hear those sort of words. But right in the middle of it, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So at conversion... At regeneration, when we're born again of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes to live and dwell inside us. 
And some Pentecostals and Charismatics can miss that and misunderstand and misarticulate our theology. No, no, no. There's a power thing that we'll come to in a minute. But when we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. But he begins the work of forming Christ in us. One commentator says the Holy Spirit imparts the life of Christ, then sustains the life of Christ within us. So the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us and begins to make us more like Jesus. But it's a beginning, but it's a process. This, this scripture, this thought by the writer, is almost certainly derived from Isaiah 63, verse 10, which is the first time in scripture it says, they grieved the Holy Spirit. Same word, obviously it's in the Hebrew Old Testament. But they grieved the Holy Spirit. And so, Please, if you feel like, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, I got through number one, that's okay, I'm not withstanding that. How are you getting on with letting the Holy Spirit form Jesus within you? Because that can be a challenge. See, verse 30 says, we have been sealed. We have been sealed. And there's a great quotation I found the other day. It says, through the reception of the Spirit dwelling within us, believers are those who have been stamped with the holy character of their owner of their new owner, stamped with the holy character of God. We've been sealed. It speaks of assurance. And as I was preparing this, I just got the feeling that there was somebody here and you sort of perpetually lack assurance. You're not sure whether Jesus loves you or not. You're waking up in the morning wondering, oh my goodness, is God going to find out what I did yesterday and go off me? No, no. You need to know that you are his. If you've given your life to Jesus and asked him to forgive you your sin and repent of your past and you trusted in Jesus and you're following him, be assured in that. Don't doubt that. But don't forget, you can still be assured of your salvation and grieve the Holy Spirit. And that's by withstanding that sanctifying influence, that work of the Holy Spirit to help us to become more like Christ. His presence in our lives gives us identity. Oh my goodness, our society is obsessed with identity. Achieving identity. If only I do this, I'll have the identity I want. If only I identify as this. Oh, I keep identifying as an incredibly holy person. But it ain't working yet. I'm getting there step by step. But the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. And that, he seals us. We are sealed. We are in Christ. Please be secure in that. And don't get the feeling that oh god might go off me get fed up with me no 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 no. you can grieve him because you've been sealed with his character and he's forming christ within you when you when you read this scripture as i'd unpacked and um, the context really is focused on our speech as christians how we speak i have to say i've pastored church my goodness i realize it's 42 years since i was asked to be assistant pastor somewhere I thought that's wrong isn't it you really shouldn't have an assistant pastor who's eight just saying um, but down the years I have to say I've often pastored and loved Christians who say well I'm not murdering anybody I'm not having sex with anybody I shouldn't I'm having a, so therefore I'm fine but the Holy Spirit is grieved because of the ego in their heart or because of their gossiping sorry they don't gossip they just share with lots of people for prayer but you know your heart and if we're not careful we can list those things that I'm not doing that and forget that that's why I read this scripture because that is what God wants us to be like. He wants us to cooperate with what he's doing in our lives. But it's not just speech, it's in our behavior because our behavior reveals our character. If you're, some of you know a little bit about theology, there was a bloke many years ago <clears throat> who talked about God being the unmoved mover. 
The unmoved, God is the unmoved mover. I agree with half of that. He's a mover, but he ain't unmoved. I believe that became a heresy in the medieval church. That what we do can't touch God. Oh yes, it can. You and I can grieve the Holy Spirit, who is God and a person, our heavenly friend. And so my plea is to you and to me. We have a moved mover. We can, he's moved by us. And so let's not sadden him. Let's not disappoint him. Let's not grieve him. So you might say, well, I'm not resisting the Holy Spirit. I've come to faith in Jesus. But are you grieving him? Because he's trying to form Christ in you. He puts his finger on things in your life and it is horrible. But it's because you're his and he wants you to represent Jesus more and more. I need to give you a little bit of a background. And we just read a verse about it. When I was about 14 to about 18, I was very good at something. Very good. Shoplifting. I was really good. Um, I remember I preached about this in our college devotions and um, that my opening. So we've got all these Christian students there and whatever like you do. And I came to the front and said, it all came to a head the second time I got arrested. And the students were like, did you say arrested? Did you say arrested? <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, arrested for shoplifting. And it's like, did you say shoplifting? <laughs> oh, I was very good. I, I had a great big grey duffel coat and you could pad the left arm with old T-shirts and, sh- and, and underpants and stuff. So your actual arm was loose inside. Whoa, I was very good. It's amazing, you know, that you can actually take a 12-inch vinyl. Anyway, I shouldn't be giving you advice. <laughs> Cassettes, they were good. Char- bars of chocolate, anyway. So that's a whole journey. And God had to sort me out and getting arrested the second time. That did bring things to a head. See, God puts his finger on things in your life. Anyway, roll ahead a little bit. That got sorted. Honest. <laughs> My boss, Dave Newton, every Monday morning. Pete, you've not nicked in another week, have you? No, take accountability. Just... But fast forward a little bit. Jill and I got married a year or two after marriage, so probably mid-20s, late-20s, and I'm working in a drawing office supply shop. In a drawing office supply shop. So, because uh, I trained in architecture and there's a whole over, overlap there. So, we, we used to sell um, die line machines, when I mean, it was like print machines and uh, drawing boards back in the day when you had proper drawing boards and drafting machines and all pens and equipment and whatever. And, and so, the boss, John, said, if you're interacting with customers, obviously you might have a pen that you. So, if you have a pen um, and you take it home, yeah, don't bother with that. So, it's like, okay. So, me. <laughs> 35 pounds, top of the range, rotaring pen. So I just had that at home. Now, when you're a follower of Jesus, you do something called a quiet time. It doesn't matter what you call it. As long as, it doesn't matter when you do it. For many people, it's first thing. If you've got babies, as our daughter knows, we've got a five-month-old granddaughter, babies interrupt the day. So whenever you do it, you need to do it. But if you're a committed follower of Jesus, you will be reading your scripture um, and praying. That's just what we do. And so I'm just doing that and I'm reading. And I'm going through Hosea and my last chapter of Hosea. And I remember this clear as a bell. I just opened scripture and I knew Hosea 14. Repent and turn your heart to God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you. And I'm like, oh, no. I must have read that before. I don't think when Hosea wrote that, he thought about me in a rotaring pen, as far as I'm aware. (laughs) But do you know what the Holy Spirit was doing? The Holy Spirit was going, 
I know. There's that leaning in my heart. There's that pushing it. There's that. So that day, I took the pen in, put the pen, I went into John's, John's office. I mean, he's a mate as well as a boss, and whatever. It's only a small company. Put the pen on his desk. Says, I know you said we could use a pen and take a pen home, but this is top of the range. I just need to let you know I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I mean, they knew I was like assistant pastor somewhere, so that, you know. But actually, being a disciple of Jesus is more significant. And John looked up and says, Oh, uh, all right, then it's no big deal, mate. Uh, forget it. But it wasn't about that, it wasn't about the pen. It wasn't about my job at Sigma. It wasn't about John. It wasn't about what they thought. Do you know what it was about? It was about me having a soft heart to realize the Holy Spirit's putting his finger on something. And when I was preparing this, there are people here and the Holy Spirit's touching something in your life. What's the Holy Spirit touching in your life? Because he won't force you. In the same way, if people choose to resist and don't come to faith in him, that's fine. He won't force them. But it's the same when we're followers of Jesus. He works in our life. He puts his finger on things in our life. But we need to cooperate with that. And you might be saying, well, yeah, 10 minutes of porn on the internet, it didn't hurt anybody, did it? This reckless spending, that, this little bit of gossip. I just needed to do that little bit of a lie to get out of that problem with the. There's all sorts of things. But what's God saying to you? See, he's our source of holiness he really is. There's a lovely verse 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. It says, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Boy, oh boy. We're becoming one degree of glory. It's not going to be magic. And you know what? We sometimes get in Pentecostal charismaniac churches. Um, We get that, come to the front and the zap of God will solve everything. I believe in that crisis moment of God's Holy Spirit. Wow, that's wonderful. But a lot of life is process. The spiritual discipline and recognizing when and how and in what way the Holy Spirit is touching something in your life. I remember many, many years ago, I was a youngish pastor that long ago, and a guy similar age to me from the church telephoned me at the church office, says, Pete, can I see you? It needs to be today. It needs to be now. And he wasn't like a mitherer. He wasn't, he wasn't a demander. He wasn't manipulating. He just, uh, yeah, sure. So I can't come to the church office. We need to meet somewhere. Meet, meet in a cafe or a pub or something. I got there. And as I walked up, <laughs> he looked straight at me and he says, Pete, I need to tell you, I've had sex with a woman at work and I need to go home and tell so-and-so, my wife. And he's like that. He had a very particular type of job. And he had sex with a woman at work. Um, and he was married with two kids. And then he says, I need to go home and tell so-and-so, my wife. Will you come with me? That's pastoring, isn't it? <laughs> when we got to the front door, he wanted me to go in first. I think, no, no, no. Up to you, mate. She threw every single pot there was in the room at him. Every single glass, every single ornament, every single... That's for my mother. So up. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm just like... <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> they came through it. He was devastated. And get this, there was no way that he was about to be discovered. There was nothing on the brink of discovery. The Holy Spirit had touched his heart. You know it's wrong. If you know your Bible, it was Psalm 51. It was, there was no risk of discovery. There was no, there, there was no, because some people are, are and this is when you're pastoring, it's so hard. Some people are sorry for, for the sin. Some people are sorry they got found out. Well, that's hard to distinguish. 
He was devastated. He was, if ever I've seen a repentant heart, because the Holy Spirit, it was grieving the Holy Spirit. But he had the bravery to confront it and tell a plonker pastor like me, who sort of <laughs> arguably helped him to tell his wife. And last I heard, they're doing great. She forgave. He totally repented. Accountability was set in place. But they came through. But it wasn't just a sociological thing. It was a Holy Spirit of God thing. Whatever we're involved in, bit by bit, the Holy Spirit can make us more like Christ. Make us more holy in character. Galatians 5, sorry, Galatians 5 says, live by the Spirit, not the desires of the flesh. You know, the, the problem with the desires of the flesh, they're quite good. Just say it. <laughs> I say that. Out. But that's the problem. That lure, that temptation, that illicitness, that secretness. Oh, Satan loves secrecy. And I'm preaching this way because I know there are some people, you're going to have to make a decision pretty soon. You're going to have to go one way and fess up and come through, or you're going to bury it and it becomes more secret. Some people here are at that brink. You're at that decisive moment. You're either bringing it to God and somebody as his representative, or it goes secret. Live by the Spirit, not the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5, be led by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And then it says the fruit of the Holy Spirit will develop in your lives. Love, peace, gentleness, kindness, goodness, patience, long-suffering, faithfulness. So how might you cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life right now? That's the key. That's the key. But there's one more. We can quench him. So resisting him is about withstanding his Desire to convict us and bring us to faith in Jesus. Grieving him is resisting when the Holy Spirit wants to make us more like Jesus in our character. This is about living as people of power. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. And that's why these are so clear in Scripture. Don't resist the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Do not put out the Holy Spirit's fire. This is a, a vivid metaphor because fire is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the next verse after that um, says, don't treat prophecies with contempt. And therefore, this is speaking about the outworking of the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't put out the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. Um, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. How's that going in your life? When was the last time that you felt a prompting of God to, to maybe bring something prophetic over somebody's life? Or maybe to pray in tongues supernaturally as God gives you that utterance? Or maybe to pray for somebody to be healed in the miraculous name of Jesus? You see, if we're not careful... And this is where the story with Steve comes in, if we're not careful. We think, oh, those are for others. This power of the Holy Spirit is for others. <clears throat> you know that the story of the New, New Testament church is called the Book of Acts, and it's often referred to as the Acts of the Apostles. Some of the earliest manuscripts are actually called, entitled the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because if you look through the Book of Acts, well, who did stuff? Well, the people. Well, the Spirit. Well, the Spirit through the people. The people with the Spirit. We are called to be a people of power. And if we're not careful, we can be those who quench the power of the Spirit. We're not brave enough, or we're not seeking enough, or we're not eager enough. See, two chapters earlier than 1 Corinthians 14, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are listed. Maybe it's time for you and I to have a fresh look at those and say, are we ready for those? 
It's the miraculous supernatural power. It's not an optional extra for keenies, you know. In fact, Ephesians 5 talks about don't get drunk on alcohol, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting because there are certain ways that parallels made deliberately to say, well, the fruit of it shouldn't be like that. There's probably enough people here that some people's lives will have been devastated through alcohol, either for yourself or for family members or whatever, whatever. I know that. So it's not about the outcome, but actually there's something about people who get drunk. And when I was a student in Manchester, um, I, I was teetotal while I was there. I didn't, just during that time, it seemed right. So I was like the pint of lime and lemonade person. But I became everybody's best friend on a Friday night. When we went down the Curry Mile in Russia, in, in Manchester, um, often, by the time it got to midnight, I was the only one that knew the way home. And so, where are we going, Harry? Oh, just keep on, Pete. But people became so brave. Well, come on, Pete, let's climb that lamppost. And I'm like, okay, Bill, let's just go home. Let's just get home. And you know what? They didn't have sing. Oh, I do like to be beside. Oh, my goodness. There's something about the liberty, the freedom. Now, I think the parallel is put in Ephesians. Don't get drunk that way. Instead, there's a parallel to say the outcome should not be like that. It says in the Bible it leads to debauchery and whatever. But actually, when you're filled with the Spirit, it says it leads to submissive attitudes and singing and making music to God and having attitude in your heart and glorifying Him. There's lots and lots of positives in there. But what I think is so funny is sometimes as Christians, we really can be the frozen chosen we really can be so boring. And we can talk about being powerful people. When was the last time God's power came to us and through us? And if we're not careful, oh, it's not for me. I'm happy with that holiness thing. I don't mind. I'm being a good boy. I'm being a good girl. I'm not doing anything. I'm not grieving the Holy Spirit. Well, it's good to me. But what about his power? Well, I, I, I can quench his power. And I've, I've got two out of three, so that's okay. No, that's not the point. He doesn't want his power to be quenched. And I saw these guys... And what they had was wrong, but the liberty, the freedom, the singing, the bravery, the, oh my goodness, the, I love you, Pete. Yeah, okay, Joe, let's just get back. I want to encourage you to be loosened up in Jesus. I remember talking to a guy some years ago, and he, he, just, he just always looked so fed up in church. You know, and I said, have you ever thought of like, Singing a bit more vigorously. Maybe even lift, lifting your hands in... Well, maybe lifting a hand in worship. Maybe just up to the chin, you know. Just go somewhere, take a first step. And I'll never forget. He said, oh, I'm really worried what my wife will think of me. Huh? I just didn't join those dots. That's not the point. And so please don't think, well, I'm not grieving the Holy Spirit because I'm living a sanctified life, becoming more like Jesus. But don't let that legitimise quenching the power of the Spirit because he wants to be supernaturally evident through you. We need to be ready for it. Remember right at the beginning, man doesn't speak, uh, live on bread alone, but on every word is it. God, I believe, is speaking to you. And God might be saying to you, hey, suddenly somebody comes to your mind, send them a text. Somebody comes to your mind, get a card and drop it in the mail to them. That could be the prompting of the Spirit. I don't look very supernatural. It's not looking supernatural isn't the point. But be ready for God to do supernatural things in your life. Just recently I came across this. And forgive me for reading it, but I want to make sure I get it right. There was a medical missionary to Africa. And he had returned back and was speaking at his home sending church in Michigan in the United States. 
The missionary told about that he often had to travel by bicycle through the jungle to the nearby city to get supplies. It was a two-day trip, so he needed to camp overnight at the halfway point. When he got to the city, he would go to the bank with the money, get the money, buy the medicine, get the supplies and the drugs, and then take it back to the mission. But on one of these trips, he saw somebody fighting, and one was badly injured, and so the missionary treated the wounds and witnessed to him, told him about Jesus. He returned home without incident. However, on his next trip to the town, the man he treated came up to him and said he knew the missionary was carrying money supplies. And this man and some friends had followed him into the jungle and were planning to kill him and take his money and his drugs. He said, but as they were ready to move into the campsite, they suddenly began to see some armed guards. And they thought, well, there's six of us, can we take them on? But then they saw there were 26 armed guards surrounding him. When the missionary heard this back then, he, he said he laughed, and he said that it was all alone, alone out in the jungle at the camp. But the man insisted, no, no, not just me, but also my five friends. All, all six of us saw 26 guards, and because of that, we were fearful and left you alone. However, at this point in the church in Michigan, where the missionary was telling his story, a man suddenly, audaciously jumped to his feet and said, can you tell me the exact day that took place? The missionary thought for a moment and gave the exact date. The man in the church then continued, well, obviously, when it's night in Africa, it's morning here. And I remember that morning distinctly because it had never happened to me before. I was preparing to go out and play golf. But as I was putting the golf bag in my car, as I closed the the, the boot of the car, suddenly I felt the Holy Spirit nudging me to pray for you. So I began praying. But the the urge didn't leave me, so I carried on praying. And eventually, I sent a WhatsApp message out to the men in the church to say, anybody who can, let's meet at the church building and pray for our missionary in Africa. Can I ask now, would all those men who met met with me on that day please stand up? And as everybody looked around, you know, there were 26 men standing in that congregation. Wow. We have a supernatural God. And he wants to move supernaturally through you and me. I don't know this guy, this missionary, but I know Steve. Are you the man with the book? Because he wants to bring somebody to Isa. Jesus not only wants us to not grieve him by allowing Christ to be formed in our character, he wants us to not quench the power of the Spirit by resisting it when he supernaturally wants to bring things to us and through us. So how is God working in your life? Imagine if you'd been one of those 26 men, and I bet you some of them are like, this is a bit weird, why is Harry doing it? I don't know. Well, I sent something in it. Okay, let's go for it. And imagine all those months later, suddenly you hear that story, you think, whoa! And as you stand, those men, I'm a man who's used of God. Who would have thought it? That's what I'm praying for you. For you to say, I'm a woman who hears the nudge of the Holy Spirit and doesn't quench his power. I'm a man who is open to the power of God's Spirit coming through me. You see, we end up with a very social, nice Christianity if we lose his power. Let's make sure we are open to the sanctifying influence of the Spirit making us more like Jesus, but also the power-giving work of the Holy Spirit, which helps us to behave like Jesus in his power. Jesus wasn't just a nice guy. He was also a guy who carried the power of God. So please, respond to his regenerating work. 
come to belong to Jesus, please don't go through those doors without an absolute confidence that you have trusted your life to be a follower of Jesus. But if you are a follower of Jesus, please cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on in your life. And can I also ask, let God's supernatural power be released in you and through you. How does God want to use you? How does he want to speak through you? One last little thing I just felt I should say. Don't try to be the Holy Spirit for somebody else. If you're not careful, you find, I hope they're listening. I hope they're listening because that's what we do. And if we're not careful, we try to become the Holy Spirit for somebody else. We had a guy, the first person who came to faith in Jesus in our church when we planted a church, a new church in Stockport many, many years ago. First person who came to faith in Jesus. It was so funny. He had a rough background. And, and when he gave his testimony, his story about coming to faith in Jesus, he suddenly said to the church, me and the wife, we suddenly found out Jesus loved us. It was bloody marvellous. And I'm like, amen, amen. Praise God, brother. It was, but the funny thing was, what drove his life is he was captain of the pub darts team. But actually, he was a great witness for Jesus in that environment. And it would have been so easy to pick on something in his life and say, hey, you shouldn't be. That's called legalism. Because two years later... This guy came to me and says, hey, Pete, I've just been thinking about it. Um, the pub darts team, they've decided they're moving to such and such a night, and it clashes with when we have the Bible study prayer thing here. I'm just thinking of, maybe I should come out of the pub darts team. What do you think? Oh, that's a good idea, mate. Cooperating. This isn't a license to have a go at others. It's a license for us to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit's doing in our life. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask for you, if you would, if you're not a follower of Jesus, please be ready to follow Jesus and give your life to him. And if the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on something in your life, whatever that is, you might think something's quite innocuous at the moment, but if the Holy Spirit's touching something in your life, that, that rotary pen for me, it, it, could it have been innocuous? I don't know. But I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking into my life. So if the Holy Spirit is speaking into your life, please cooperate. Don't grieve him. Don't continue to grieve the Spirit. And maybe, just maybe, you're looking for the Holy Spirit to bring his power through you afresh and anew. So let's all stand as we sing. And if it would help you, please feel free to come to the front. There'll be people here who'd love to pray with you and support you in prayer. If that's you, you're very, very welcome to. On any of those three areas, feel free to come and stand and somebody would love to pray with you. Let's all stand together.